The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. You will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. In our first reading, Moses turns to the Lord who has been speaking to him from the bush that has been burning but not consumed. Moses has received the mission to go to Egypt and we discover that Moses and his brother Hebrews really don't know the God who is going to save them. It's a remarkable moment where Moses says, what do I even call you? How do I refer to you, to this people, that they might recognize you? And know what that implies. They never taught me. I never learned that. I don't have a name for you. This is a remarkable moment. We tend to assume, as we read the stories in sacred scriptures, that all of these who are called by God know who he is in the first place. And we would think that after the Hebrews have been a people for so many generations, they would know who their God is. And yet there's something that's gone missing. And so we have this contrast between the verse that we've repeated in the psalm. The Lord remembers his covenant forever. We, however, tend to forget. His people tend to forget. And so quite literally, thank God that he remembers. And this is instructive and important for us to recognize because we see here that one of the bitter lessons of the time of slavery in Egypt is that it is not just the material pleasures of the world that can pull us away from knowledge of God. It is also hardship. And while it's something of a commonplace that many people experiencing hardship turn to God, the other reality is when life gets oppressive, when life becomes burdensome, the human heart doesn't know where to turn quite frequently. And in simply struggling to get by, it loses a sense of where consolation is found, where freedom is found. And it begins looking at all of the, for all of these things in the wrong places and in the wrong way. The classic example is Moses himself as a young adult using the same violence that the Egyptians used against Israel to strike an Egyptian dead. 
and seeing that that reckless act of destructive anger accomplished nothing. It went nowhere. And so it is that now this nation enslaved, groaning and groaning, calling out desperately toward heaven, has lost a sense that there is somebody who listens, has lost a sense that there is someone to whom they can turn. And so it is that one who takes it upon himself to remember for them. The people have forgotten, but the Lord has not. And so note how important it is that he names himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who has begun a relationship with you even before you were born. And even as you've forgotten that relationship, I have not. And having heard all of that, Moses turns to the Lord and says, but I still need a name. I still need a name. All the other nations have gods that they call upon by name. You know, and so he says, let's be honest, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's really not exactly a name. Who are you that we can call upon you? And the Lord answers in this marvelously curious way. I am who am. You've got to sympathize with Moses because he's probably thinking, that's really not much better, Lord. <laughs> but note the answer. An answer that is impossible to understand, it is quite literally impossible to translate the expression that the Lord uses here to identify himself. But note the thrust of it. I am. I am the only one who must be. You don't have to be. Neither does the people. Neither does this world. I am the one who is. You are the one who has come into being. But I am. Note the implication of the eternal permanence of the Lord. There's no moment when I haven't been. Oh, but there's been plenty of moments when you haven't been. And there is no moment when I will not be. But there is that moment for you and for Pharaoh and for everyone else. I am. What a remarkable statement. The one who is has sent me to you. The one who must be the one who will be sent me to you. And in speaking that way, the Lord now says something much greater than the generations from Abraham down to Moses. He speaks of a being 
that was old and ancient before Abraham ever was. He speaks of a being that will continue in being long after all of the petty kingdoms of the world have fallen into ruin. I am. And all that is, therefore, comes from me. I am the source of life. I am the source of being. You live because I am. And it's not the other way around. What a remarkable statement that is. And you go and you tell them that. That the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob is not like the gods of Egypt, is not like the gods of the nations, is not like your own small understanding of what that means. He is greater than that. And that is the one who seeks you, who calls to you, and who speaks to you. This is an absolutely remarkable statement when we realize then how absurd this seems to really be. The one who is greater than all others is interested in this group of slaves who have no status, no dignity, no wealth, who aren't even really a nation. And yet, he's not interested in Pharaoh. He's interested in them, in those who are not even a people. Note what that really should be saying to all of us who Sooner or later in life, everyone deals with that feeling of, I'm nobody. I'm no good. I don't measure up. Who am I so small in a world that is so large and doesn't care about me? And if the little ones of this world don't care about me, why would I even entertain the thought that anybody greater would? And so note that one who identifies himself as greater and before all others sets his eyes on these nobodies. No status, no dignity, not even a nation. They live beneath the gaze of the country in which they find themselves. What a remarkable moment. And yet the one who is higher than all others sees them. And that is the message. You tell them that this is the one who comes to you. And in that charge, there is a challenge to the people who would become the nation of Israel. See that there is one who is concerned about you, and that one is greater not just than you, 
but greater than all others. And you who are no people will become a people because you are my people. Note the power of that. And that is the message then that the Lord says Moses is to deliver to Pharaoh. And so you will go to Pharaoh and you will say the Lord, the God of Israel, is calling for his people. Note the issue here and the identification again of this people with the God who sets his heart on them before they have ever thought about setting their hearts on him. And note how wonderfully we have more than an echo, but we have a, a fulfillment of this incident of the burning bush in our gospel reading today, where again it is the Lord speaking. And at first glance, this seems much more humble, much less dramatic, much smaller than the great thing that happens in and through Moses. There's no discussion of plagues. There's no talk about smiting Pharaoh on the back of the head so he listens. There is no discussion of chains falling off and slaves walking into freedom. And yet, the Lord is standing there on those streets, speaking to the people in a way that is greater than happened at that moment of the bush in the desert. He speaks face to face, not concealed in the flame and the symbol of the bush. He speaks directly. And he who is speaks to those who are not, who are nobodies, who are nothing, who feel their energy draining away, who know what it is to labor and wonder if I have the strength to simply continue moving forward, or even if I'm strong enough to continue standing still. And he looks out at them who are burdened not necessarily by political chains, not necessarily by the bars of a prison, a physical prison, but who know a certain fatigue, a certain woundedness, a certain labor without rest in their hearts, in their minds that are so active they can't sleep at night. And he says to them, come to me. And note, what is the message that Moses takes to Pharaoh? The Lord says, let his people come to him. Let the burdened slaves come to him. The issue is never merely freedom. The issue is being free to come to him, where real freedom and real relief are found. Freedom without the Lord is empty. And so here is Jesus now, that one whose might all those years earlier shook Pharaoh's power, 
and freed that people. He stands to the eye, small. And yet note how mighty this invitation is. All of you who labor and are burdened. Note the totality of that statement. Not, I can take care of some of you right now. Not, I think I can manage a handful of you. All of you. Here in this place, all of you, wherever you are, all of you across all time. Note who says this, I am. It matters not the year in which you live. It matters not the language you speak. It matters not how far from physical Palestine you find yourself. All of you who labor and are burdened, come to me. Note, again, as is typical of Jesus, he doesn't say please, because Jesus is not polite in that way. It's an instruction. It's a command. It's a call. You who labor and are burdened and groan and long for relief, you'll never find it under your burden. You'll never find it in that place, that condition, that state that beats you down. But you don't have to stay there. You can come to me. And note the call. He doesn't say, lay your burden down. He just says, come to me and bring it. Come to me with the burden. Come to me in the labor. But come to me. Because what do we do? As much as we don't like the burden, as much as we resent the labor, we convince ourselves, until I get it done, I can't go anywhere. Note how odd we are. This is horrible. This is ridiculous. I know this isn't any good. Oh, but I've got to get it done. You know what the Lord is saying? Bring it here. Bring it here. Come to me. Because the slavery that the Hebrews underwent in Egypt, horrible as it was, is only the outward sign in no small measure of those more terrible slaveries which anyone's heart can be victimized by in any age, in any place, at any time. And so note now the Lord saying, come to me. Because the very definition of slavery is labor without rest. That's why the most ancient image of salvation is rest. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened. And what does he say? I will give you rest. Because without rest, 
there is no freedom. I will give you rest. Note, it's not I will show you the way to rest. It's not I'll hand you a road map. It's I have the rest you seek. Come to me and I will give it to you. What a remarkable statement that is. And again, note how the Lord identifies that peace and that rest that we seek with himself. He knows the burden of the heart. He knows the burden of the mind. And he says, bring it here. And then interestingly, he speaks about another burden. He says, take my yoke upon you. What is a yoke? It's something that's put on the shoulders to allow one to carry really heavy stuff. So at first glance, as we hear him, we're thinking, this doesn't sound like much of a deal. Come to me with your burden and I'll give you a better one. <laughs> and yet what he's really saying is this. You are going to take something onto yourself. Regardless, the world will impose its weight on you. Your guilt will impose a certain weight on you. Your insecurities, your doubts, your greed, all of those things will weigh you down and impose something on you, and you will walk under those things. Or you can let me place something life-giving on your shoulders. And you could carry that. And you could walk under that. Because it's easy and it's actually light. Take my yoke upon you, he says, and learn from me. Learn from me what it is to rest. Learn from me what it is to live. Learn from me how not to be a slave anymore. Learn from me. And then he gives us the key. For I am meek and humble of heart. It's a remarkable statement. Learn my meekness and learn the humility of my heart. This is the yoke I want to place upon you. This is the burden that I will give you. It's that. And why? Because amazingly, there's a perverse tendency in the human heart that as much as we are beaten down, as much as we can be robbed of our dignity, we find ourselves taking a certain pride in that. The odd pride of being a victim. The odd pride of being resentful. The odd pride of having something to hold against somebody else. And it burdens us, but we like it. And so we don't set it aside. And it makes us aggressive. And it makes us angry. It makes us careless and self-destructive and unthinking. Note how there's a certain proud anger, proud resentment, proud cynicism that can live in the heart, 
and it produces the opposite of meekness, where I'm aggressive, even if I don't physically assert it, in my thinking about others, in my considering others, and how I treat myself. And the Lord says, that's what the burden of the world does to you. It afflicts you with that toxic illness of the heart. Come to me, because you'll never find rest in those things. Come to me and learn from me this way of meekness and humility of heart, which is not a recipe for surrender, but it is the capacity to rest even in this world. What a remarkable gift that is. How beautiful we can consider that here because all Moses had that day, strange as it is to put it this way, was the burning bush and the voice of the Lord speaking to him from the bush. We have better than that right here because the Lord himself is going to be on this altar. Moses never had that. We do. And that same Lord Jesus who said, come to me, you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest, is going to be right here. And what do we get to do? We literally get to get up and physically come to him. Note how marvelous it is that every time we celebrate this great sacrament, he calls to us with that great call, and we get to respond. And as often as we are here, he will say to us, and just take my yoke upon yourself. Learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. Amen.